I have a joke. You guys want to hear my joke? Yeah. Yeah. What does a space cow say? Moon. Moon. <laughs> Amazing. You can you hear the applause? <laughs> That's where I'm at today. Yeah. Welcome back to the real weirdos. Today we're talking about Moon from director Duncan Jones, who is people a lot of people know this, but he's David Bowie's offspring. And he's a director who, in the course of four movies, has gone from a director to watch to a director to stay the absolute shit away from. Disagree. In my opinion. Disagree. Disagree. Disagree fully. Really? It's going to be fun. I fully disagree. So, like, we'll we'll talk about Moon, which is great. But just to 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 explain what i'm talking about which won't take long cuz there's only four movies <laughs> moon moon is great source code pretty good warcraft i know jeff you like it because you're a warcraft fan but objectively it's not a very good movie Agreed. i as not a fan Agreed. i had no idea what was happening yes it's a fan um, movie it, but it wasn't it wasn't loathsome yes. like Mute, which I watched, I think, yesterday or the day before. Mute is a loathsome film. Yeah. Um, Mute's a terrible. It's like a, it's like a cyberpunk thing, mm-hmm. but it just gets completely sidetracked with awful characters. It handles the concept of pedophilia in a very off-putting way and okay. uh, is just generally a mess that makes you feel bad for watching it and has nothing to say or add to anything. Well, that's a review from mute folks. A little quick yeah, review. <laughs> that's my review of mute. Uh, I wanted to watch it cause I'd, I've seen three out of four and I was like, Hey, let's just complete the quad. Um, so he's just, he's on a continual sliding down on the scale for me. So Jeff, why, why do you disagree? Well, I just think that if you, make three out of four movies that I like, then you're good in my book. That's just numbers to me. Like I really like moon. Obviously that's why we're talking about it and why I chose it. Uh, source code was fun. Um, it's not a very memorable movie, so, uh, it's kind of a come and go, but it was fun. And again, you're totally right. I am a Warcraft fan. I'm a, I played wow. Most of my life play a lot of Warcraft uh, there's our video game reference for the episode. Check. Nerd. <laughs> and um, so it's Warcraft is a is probably what I would consider the most expensive fan film ever made. But it's not objectively a, a digestible film or a film for the mass populace. It's a film for Warcraft nerds by a Warcraft nerd. Um, yeah, I, I love the movie. I think it has some really great CGI and it's got some fun characters, but you know, you have no idea what's going on if you have, if you don't know the content behind it. So definitely no, agree. it's it's a it's a weird sloppy mess. Yeah, definitely of a movie. I, like <laughs> I, I I'm pretty good after all these years of figuring out what's happening in a movie. I didn't. I had no idea what was happening in Warcraft, and I didn't care. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not well done. It's a, it's a cute movie. It's a movie for if you're a Warcraft fan, you're like, oh, that's cute how they did that. Oh, I never saw it that way. And that's pretty but you much would say it's like a fan project. 
Yeah, it's basically like a fan film. Like if you go on YouTube and you see those really high quality fan films yeah. and you're like, oh yeah. man, this is really well done. It's like, just give that like in a movie budget. And that's basically what Warcraft is. They were trying to do that with Halo for a while, I think. Peter Jackson was like slated to direct a few. Yeah, there's been a lot um, of like video game adaptations in film. And it gets vice. wild. It just, yeah. it just doesn't translate. Usually, there are, of course, a couple exceptions. I can't think of any. Except right now. Assassin's Creed, man! Holy crap! Yeah, I mean, apparently, film. just the best film that I refuse to Justin see. Justin Kurzel knocked it out of the park again, again. after Macbeth. <laughs> All right, but Moon—that's what we're talking Moon. about, folks. Alex, we're talking about Moon. Alex. Have you seen Have you seen Duncan Jones movies? No, I'm looking at him right now. I, 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 uh, I did some research before this, and like, I did see also that he was David Bowie's son. Um, and then was not was mute not supposed to be like kind of like a sequel or like an epilogue to Moon? um it has some stuff on TV that relate to the relates to the ending of Moon okay which hmm. I won't spoil and and before we jump into Moon I just want to say like if you haven't seen Moon <clears throat> seriously go watch it before you listen to this because. Listening to us talk about it will spoil what makes it amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it just will. Like if you like good science fiction, that's not you know Chris Pratt in the Tomorrow War, <laughs> like smart smart science fiction that's really well done and cerebral and like metaphysical, mm-hmm. it's like existential. It's just really good, and yeah. um, there's a pretty significant turn that it takes that we're going to spoil and you owe it to yourself if you're a sci-fi fan to go watch it first definitely it's like not one of those twists or like it's not a thematic element that we can throw out the window without discussing the movie and it will spoil the energy and like the spirit of the movie really i mean if you don't if anyone listening doesn't mind i i guess do whatever you want but seriously you shouldn't listen to this until you go and watch watch the film and it's not it's not a huge endeavor or anything like that i think it's, it's actually a short film long. 90 minutes yeah it's a yeah. short film it's uh very it's a... cut and dry it does what it needs to do and it gets out quick yeah and it's and it's great <clears throat> yep so yeah. that all that said let's get into spoilers three two one let's talk about sam rockwell talking to himself yeah let's uh <laughs> let's talk about sam rockwell just just really i i believe kind of coming into a a different type of role i mean he's always been to me sam rockwell is in that category with like um oh boy we just did him in mank uh Uh, are you talking about jake jill no uh, gary oldman like he's always like he's in the movies he's always these great in-depth characters but people who don't really watch movies can't ever really put their finger on that person's name He's oh. often a he's often a side character. Yeah. He's or character not actor, generally yeah. yeah, he's more a character actor. He's not generally the lead exactly. of a movie. He's in he was in The Green Mile. Uh-huh. And you know, he's just Sam Rockwell has just always played every character really strongly. But solid giving solid him the boy. lead in this movie was so unique and such an interesting decision because he's the lead in a movie in which there's a second lead, which is also him, but two <laughs> very different versions. Yeah, they're kind of like two different characters, even though they're the same person. It's so brilliant. Like the the I and you know, again, we're gonna say it's the clone Sam Rockwell is 
which I believe his name is Sam in the movie. They're they're both they're both clones. Yeah, yes. they're both Sam Bell. Sam Bell, that's right. So Sam, this clone. Well, Jeff, Sam, all right, yeah. Sorry, I'm I'm getting off you, track. Uh, <laughs> um, well, I was just gonna say, do you want to like set up the plot sure, real quick will, and tell yeah. us tell us and tell us why you chose this film? Yes. Okay. So I chose Moon because Moon is a movie that I don't know. It was it, I feel slides under a lot of people's radars. It's just a really strong, solid, cerebral sci-fi, as Jesse was saying. It's a film that speaks to me because I really like the isolation aspect of it. So the plot of Moon is essentially Earth has a horrendous energy problem. I mean, who could have guessed it? (laughs) Um, And in order to remedy that, we've basically created, as far as we, Earth, has created a mining facility on the Moon. That is needs to be manned. It's mostly automated, but it needs to be managed by one man and a AI that follows him around and played by Kevin Spacey. Played, voiced by Kevin Spacey. So you know, at least you're spared. no. He was in. He was in the robot. He was in the robot, just like R two D two. No, so he's voiced by Kevin Spacey. So you're spared actually having to see that fucker's face, but you're still kind of subject to this very monotone which i actually really like the performance it's very monotone it's very off-putting but yeah this character sam bell um, works on the moon on this mining facility uh they that sends the mining materials back to earth and he is desperate to finish his uh i guess we would call it mandatory tour duty? yeah i guess that would be what you call it he signed up for a tour manning the station years. three years and he is coming to a close, and he is dirty, and he's got a big beard and long hair, and he's got a little bit of cabin fever. <clears throat> he's tend to name things, and yeah, he talks to his plants yep. and like decides that they have relationships with each other. <laughs> like, oh, Greta's been giving you the eye, Bob. And he's got a he's made a miniature um, of, I believe, the town Fairfield. Fairfield, yeah, the town he lives in. And so he's uh, he's made a miniature of that, and so he's very he's a, he's a family man. He's very interested to get home, and uh, that's where really the plot starts. Is this man finishing up his tour of duty? Yeah, we find out that he's a clone. Um, there's like some 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 fuckery going on with the filmmaking, to where you think he has an accident and wakes up, but then he goes and finds his other version in the accident and do you figure out that they're clones will they figure out that they're clones because before that you're kind of like you're wondering what's happening at least i think so i i saw it when it came out which was over a decade ago so i guess we can go to alex here and be like uh, did you did you guess what was happening like what did you feel like was happening because jeff and i had seen this before but you had not so i didn't uh, obviously something was fishy right but i thought it was just um when he crashes into the harvester and like kind of passes out seeing like the dust build up on the window and then wakes up. We we're introduced to Sam waking up again. Um, I thought I just like put it down to like, Oh, this is a sci-fi movie. It's so far into the future that they have like Gertie, Kevin Spacey's robot character. He has like a, there's some medical procedure that if someone gets hurt, they'll bring him back to the main base and wake them up and heal them. And then you get like you get introduced to the new sam the new clone right that's when i started to realize wait a second like 
something something not I don't want to say nefarious, <laughs> right? Because something is going on. It sounds too malicious, but something strange is going on, and it starts really with the new Sam waking up and being kind of disoriented, and he hears Gertie having a straight-up live conversation with the Earth, which is like, in this movie, it's supposed to be impossible. Like, all of the messages that they keep getting back and forth are ones that are like, this was recorded however many months ago, however many moons ago, you know, to reach your destination. But, nice, yeah, as someone who had never seen the movie, I, I, like... I just took that that scene of seeing Sam waking up in the medical bay as like, oh, they got him. Like, he's safe now. And then right after that scene is when the movie starts to unravel it for you. Yeah, I mean, I I totally agree. It's it's a movie that definitely is all about the ambiance. It's all about the scenery, the set. The set is like I would consider a major character in this film. Wouldn't you agree, Jesse? Oh, yeah. Duncan Jones' eye for detail is great. It feels very lived in. It also points to, like, this movie was made for $5 million. Yeah. Which is nothing. I know. (laughs) That is nothing in the grand scheme of things. Like, we talked about Christopher Nolan's new movie. That was made for, what, $85 trillion (laughs) or something like that? And it's like movies don't need to cost so much, and it's 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 curious that this is his best movie, and his movies get worse as they get bigger, because it's like it's one set, all the stuff that's outside of the base is miniatures, and they look great. There's not like not a lot of CGI or anything. Um, yeah, and it's one actor, yeah, like one actor, one set, and it's fantastic. Yeah, it's almost like a small little sci-fi stage performance. Yeah, the way that the story is told and the themes that it's presenting, the fact that it's just one actor acting with themselves, it it definitely has that feel to it. And there's we usually talk a lot about score on this podcast, and I really want to talk about lack thereof in this movie. The It's such a quiet movie. It's such a... You can almost hear a pin drop in everything that's going on. When he's doing the miniatures, <clears throat> excuse me, he uh, he's like slowly kind of chipping away and carving away or painting. You can like hear the brush. They almost like turned up a lot of the foley for the effects. Mm-hmm. It's just a very quiet, ca- claustrophobic and confined space. And I, that really suits this kind of manic personality that our I guess we'll call him Sam one has mm-hmm. um, compared to Sam two has this very like almost McConaughey esque like cool to him. I kind of felt, I felt very McConaughey vibes from Sam two. So I'm glad you said that actually, because I think Sam two is very indicative of actual, like almost an homage to previous leading men or leading characters who take up the bulk of the film so when he's wearing his flight suit with the ray-bans it's almost like maverick from top gun and then there are scenes where he holds his body in a way like travis bickle holds his body in taxi driver and he has like those glasses on and he's kind of like sauntering over sam too as he does his thing he's like really into you know working out and stuff like that so there's like a really interesting like callback 
to stuff like that. And I'm glad you said something about that as well, because I didn't even think of McConaughey, but it's definitely there. There's something with Sam, too, that is like, I don't know. It's it's so cool to see two clones of the exact same person be just totally different characters. You know, one on the tail end of his contract, who's kind of just like, Jesus, man, all I care about is doing my fucking model, you know, like, yeah. and my plants. Um, and the other one is like, no, I'm all about figuring out what's going on. Like, he's like the action hero, right? Yeah, well, it's almost like the naivete, naivete of the character. Yeah. You can see how, like, when he came to this place, quotes, you know, air quotes, came to this place, he, you know, he's he's ready to go. He's fresh on his tour. He's ready to calculate and, and, and make power for the planet. And you can see this disillusion of that that mission, that goal. And it's almost like there's they're speaking about almost the uh, the replaceability of the worker. It's like you can get this much, you can wring this much out of a person before they're hollow and empty and just want to go home. Yeah, well, the the clones die. The clones die after three years. They're based on, like, I guess there was a real Sam Bell at some point. Mm-hmm. They eventually communicate. They get a communication out, and they talk to their quote-unquote daughter. It's, it is, and it's not their daughter. And, you know, they hear the real Sam Bell in the background, and it's just a punch in the gut. Yep. But, but yeah, dude, watching Sam Rockwell act opposite himself with these two different characters who are both the same character is wonderful (laughs) and just it's like it's it speaks to how like how would it be right how would it be if you interacted with yourself yourself with like the same kind of memories but with a, a a very different couple of years behind them and it's like uh, there's a dominance thing going on. There's there's just all these different elements at play within the the relationship of the two of them. That's so interesting to watch, and it's so well done as well. Oh yeah, it's like this idea of would you hate yourself if you knew yourself? I was thinking about that. I was like, what if I was hanging out with Jesse, and it was like. So, do you want to watch a movie? And, like, me being the contrary asshole that I am, be like, no, dude, I don't want to watch that one. <laughs> watch this other one. It's like, dude, you're me, though. Like, yeah. Why Why are you being an asshole about this? Yeah, and there's, the, exactly, and there's this possessiveness. Like, they both really feel like the father of this, this child and the husband to this wife. You know what I mean? Like, they both... They both have this sense of, like, I'm the real Sam. And that is a concept that has been done in clone movies before. But I think they, you can do a concept many times and do it wrong many, many times. And if you can take it and do it right once, that's when it becomes memorable. Mm-hmm. And this is what this movie does. It's the clone, like, you know, the double clone, where I'm the real one. No, I'm the real one. That's been yeah. done so many times. But this, the way it's done here is so personal and sad and you just feel your heart broken for this original sam as his body falls apart because these clones don't just die they they're they literally fall apart yeah they're like because decay. they're not meant yeah they're not meant to be going on as long as they have been so this first sam is is falling his teeth are falling out and it's just such a a sad environment and i think that speaks a lot to like the claustrophobia that we were talking about before and the the com- 
kind of confined aspect and the kind of dry, flat tone of Gertie, like very uncaring because to Gertie, this is Sam number, you know, 30, yeah. 40, 50. So it's like the, the flat tone makes sense. He's uncaring, but he's also kind of the hero. He helps, like, you, you think the whole time you're like, okay, Kevin Spacey doing a robot. You're like, you get the evil 2001 Hal. Space Odyssey vibes, the Hal vibes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, but, but they do a little, a little switcheroo, I guess, mm-hmm. because Gertie helps him. He's like, my directive is to help Sam and to keep him safe. And so they, they mess with his logic slightly. They do. Like, yeah. like, Gertie, help us be safe, you know? So Gertie helps them to essentially, you know, send one of the Sams back to Earth and call call the company out. I loved that, actually. I loved how they started the movie off with this really dark, ominous tone of like, oh, it's the corporation and it's the robot that has set you up. It's kind of like Alien Aliens vibe, you know, like, oh, we were actually sent here to become hosts for this alien so they can do research back in the lab you know and it's this whole like hegemonic force in the movies that are like it's just this guy now against like everything that he's known and he has to like tear down all that he's known but gertie helps him and like gertie ends up being a very compassionate and like not like hal in any way like not like i don't know he has the monotone voice down perfectly but it's like even when he's like what's wrong sam you maybe want to talk about it it's like there's something there with Gertie that it's like, I don't know. He's caring. It's it's really interesting because the beginning of the movie, I'm like, oh, this this thing's getting disassembled, right? Like evil robot. Yeah, he's going evil into the. Robot. I need to go into the motherboard <laughs> and like you know shut down Gertie or some shit yeah, like that. It like, doesn't. It doesn't have any of those like schlocky exactly. plot elements. Yeah, it's just like an understated character drama, starring Sam Rockwell as two people. And it is very and personal, exactly. Kevin Spacey is a robot. Yeah. And there's no action. The only action scene is like when the two Sams like pathetically fight each <laughs> yeah. other. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like kind of sad. And it's, I don't know. It's this movie makes you feel things. Yeah. It, it, made it me does. Feel things. Yeah. It definitely, it's definitely a hit you in the feels kind of movie. Well, it's also, it's a bit of just a, an experiment, this movie. This movie is, is, is like, you're taking a little bit of money and and injecting all of these just cool elements of sci-fi movies that we love. This movie is almost a casserole of really great sci-fi elements that they that like. Which like which ones? <clears throat> if it was made from the elements of other movies, okay. Which so movies like would you it, say? so like I really love the kind of grounded, lived-in aspect that this movie has. It's hard for me to compare it to other movies. I'm I'm not I'm not really the greatest on like on the spot when it comes to just like referencing things off the top of my head. It's just a feeling that I have from sci-fi elements that I really enjoy, like like a really strong gotcha. strong hero, but then that hero falling from grace. Like you have the fall from grace. Well, we can we can workshop it. So like a a really great lived in sci-fi atmosphere that's kind of dingy. I would say alien. Yeah. Like the whole space yeah. truckers vibe going on there. Mm-hmm. And this has the kind of like the confined compartments and like kind of just like hallway to hallway to hallway aspect that alien did. But then it kind of turns that on its head because it opens it up a little bit with this like rec room and this hobby area. So it that's that's kind of what I mean is it's taking these these loved sci-fi elements and then 
flipping them a little bit. You have Hal with the robot, with uh, Gertie, the kind of comparison you guys were making where you're like, oh, I think this robot's going to be evil. Oh, no, we're going to flip it a little bit and make it... Because that's what movies do. Uh, subvert your expectations. <laughs> like, I don't know. This movie was just a little example of that. It's just like, it's a sci-fi lover's movie, I believe. And I think yeah. that's why I kind of mentioned like it, it falls under a lot of people's radars. And if you're a really big lover of sci-fi like I am, I just think this movie is an I essential... Mean, Pick. If you love sci-fi because of the CGI and the tech and everything, this probably isn't the movie for you because I think it's very human. But the paneled walls look like they've been opened thousands of times by other clones and workers, you know? Like, the way he writes his name, he gives things little names like Luke and Bob and Greta, stuff like that. He puts little stickers yeah. on, like, the robot. He puts kick me on the back of it. There's an old coffee mug just chilling there's a coffee Gertie. mug there's on so the many robot. coffee rings all yeah. over Gertie. yeah <laughs> yeah well i mean it's it, yeah it works for a sci-fi fan it's more like i don't know it's it's more like along the realms of speculative fiction yeah because it's it's not super like as alex says it's not super sci-fi this isn't blade runner or anything it's one guy on a on a vaguely futuristic moon base with a with the sci-fi robot, granted, but like I don't know, they could probably do that now. Like, let's be real. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> but but it's like a it's more the core of it is more just like the existential element. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, I'm not me, and there's another me, and there have been a- countless other me's they don't even know, and they find the they find the underground like bunker thing with all the other clones. Mm-hmm. And it's just like stretches off into the distance, and you're like, "Why are there so many?" Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, just a really like interesting concept, really well handled and really well acted. Yeah, it's like this movie is like a delicious meal served on a very simple plate. It's like yeah. you just five million dollar plate. It's like the the plate is is what it's delivered on is a simple set simple kind of it's what's done well but simple characters or character i guess if you could call gertie a character and then you just go on and talk about these very high concepts which i think is really a smart move like i mean just the idea of automating human like a human they've automated this whole moon process they have these Mm -hmm. big harvesters that are gathering the materials kind of combing the moon uh and then you just need this one guy in order to keep it all running. Why not automate that guy? No, I know. There's a cruelty behind the that like corporation corporations like greed, you know? Like why are you giving these guys like consciousness? Like why are you giving them empathy? Why are you causing them to be creatures that can feel pain? Why don't you just make a billion Gerties that go out and you know, scrape exactly. the surface of the moon. Like exactly, it's like this idea of like keeping him hanging on by this like s- this desire to see his family is so cruel. And yeah, they feed him these messages from his wife, and once you've seen it before, if you look closely, you can see someone's like pants to the right of her on the message, and you're like, oh, that's that's the real Sam. Oh. You're telling her what to say. Yeah, it, I never even caught that. That's fucking crazy. Yeah, I, I, there's like little, yeah, there's little tricks like that. It's just, it's kind of just a weird. It's a weird little movie. It 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 deals with concepts that are so much bigger than what it's trying to present, 
and I think that's where it kind of catches you off guard and allows it to interject its little feelers into you, your mind. You mean trying to present or like what it presents initially? Because I mean, I think it sets out what it is trying to do very well. It's more like what it's trying to do is to subvert your expectations and it does that very well. But I don't think that Ugh, I don't I hate that phrase. I know. That's why I said it. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, uh, Fair enough. Yeah. Because uh, you fucking hit me with the love letter bullshit last the love episode. letter to the movies. Um, a love letter to uh, subverting your expectations. <laughs> oh, God. That's probably one of the worst sentences ever made. No, I'm welcome. I, welcome to Star Wars The Last Jedi. Oh, God. <laughs> I've lost the thread of what I'm going into here, but basically... We were talking about how The Last Jedi is a solid piece of filmmaking (laughs) Yeah, that's what I was talking about. I love that. I like the casserole uh, metaphor, honestly, because I think this movie, when you guys are talking about it being like very personal, it's like a casserole that someone brings over at a dinner party that looks simple. It's on a simple dish, whatever. But when you taste it, it's kind of like, oh my God, this is like, ratatouille effect like this is the mother's this is my mother's casserole from when i was like six years old right yeah and it like i don't know this movie definitely hit hit me in like a very emotional way after i got past like ooh, it's a sci-fi who done it like who's who's like keeping him here who's making copies of him i was like oh this is simply like what would a clone do if it met itself and it's not some weird like there's going to be a you know a rift in the time space continuum and you guys are both going to explode or anything like that it's like it's an honest portrayal of how you would show yourself meeting yourself in this well see that's weird environment and that's the difference i think for, for, from something like along the lines of like a Shyamalan where it's like yeah. in, a, in a dumbass Shyamalan movie yeah the fact that hit like him finding out he's a clone would be the apex. It would be the big yeah, twist. And you're like, oh, okay. But here, that's the groundwork. That's 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 the the basis upon which you build this amazing character drama. Um, it's funny that I said Shyamalan because I was in, in looking at his filmography. I started to think about him as kind of a Shyamalan. Same. I was like, oh, he Same. started out good, just getting worse and worse. <laughs> Maybe we'll see. I mean, what you're talking, you're, you're talking about is not a concept that's like foreign. You know, like some this happens to like great directors all the time. You know, they it start, does. They get popular. They start getting a little more creative influence. They start being able to kind of feel like they can spread out, and they're not as creative. It doesn't as usually happen this quickly, though. I mean, maybe, I mean, maybe I'll, I'll give him. I'll give him some leeway here. Is he's, he's only made four movies. He's he's a he's a good visual filmmaker. I just think I don't know. He should probably never get near a script <laughs> after seeing Mute. I mean, he just but we'll <laughs> see. He's made one bad movie in my mind, so it's like it's a little bit of a different take. I do think that your analysis, though, Jeff, is fair because if you liked three out of his four four movies, I couldn't expect you to say like, "Oh, this director is is not good," right? Yeah. Which makes because there's obviously something he's doing that you kind of like. It makes sense but. for you, definitely. Um, for me, it's I didn't hate Warcraft. I just didn't like it as a total flatline. But for me, it's it's more so that it's it's been such a consistent like moving down. That's the definitely true. Scale, you know, that's definitely true. He's not made anything. Did he close write? To him. 
he Sorry, I, I believe that in my research. I believe that he has a screenwriting credit along with someone else Nathan for Parker. each movie. Yeah. So like okay. he I think he does the story and then someone else writes the script or he has a partner. I'm not exactly sure, but um Mute especially shows that whatever like process he has is 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 pretty flawed right now. Got it. Cuz Moon was like very the dialogue was very natural. I mean this this lends to Sam Rockwell's performance as well. I, you can say what you want about Kevin Spacey. He's still he was like a, he's a talented actor For sure. right he, he's a talented crafter of his roles and i don't know they just both like they nail it sam rockwell is like a leading man skill wise like he has that in his wheelhouse but he is like a character actor leading man which sometimes is honestly can work out beautifully like because character actors like they're so good at like giving body to characters with only two, three minutes of screen time, you know, and to put that type of actor into this role is just like, I don't know. It makes it very real and cumulative and like a comprehensive character. And the funny thing is, is that they're literally clones and it's like, I, I don't know. They just have so much life and body to them. They're so vivified. Well, I think that's part of the point. I mean, the only humans that you see beyond these like two corporate representations that are supposed to be recordings <clears throat> is Sam. He's the only human that you meet. Yeah, the only humans you see are clones. He even turns to Gertie yeah. at one point. He's like, we don't have programming, Gertie. We're people. Yeah. yeah. I wish I wish <laughs> Sam Rockwell had more leading roles. I would I would watch him. Oh, definitely. Um he did a few recent ones, I know. That where he was a little bit bigger of a role. It's like a few billboards out of Missouri or something like that, and then something about serial killers where he's like a he has like a split personality into like seven different people. Or no, something like that. that's James McAvoy. No, not not, not that not split. not split. Okay, this one has like his personalities are played by different actors. Like Christopher Walken, I believe, is one. Um, he's like Sam Rockwell's like a writer who is dealing with like mental health issues or something like that. And he has all of these little vignettes of going out into life and whatnot, where he's like a different personality, but going back to moon, at least I actually really liked how like the movie didn't fall into kind of like, we're making a movie about space and like sci-fi. So we're going to keep showing these like planet shots. It did it very sparingly. And I thought it did it very well. You know, there wasn't, like, this idea of, like, oh, my God, there's, like, interstellar travel. It's, like, no, they did a really good job of just showing, like, the really simple drudging tasks of being, like, a contracted worker on the moon. And I think that the set plays a huge role in that. Definitely. I mean, it's, uh, the, the all as I said, all the outside stuff is just practical effects, all miniatures. Done well. Yeah, Done that's awesome. Well. Yeah. Yeah, and once you know that, they're really charming. You're like, oh, those are great. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it has such a like. It's such a little. I don't know. It, it warms your heart far more than just some some CGI. You know, exactly. you're like, oh, you had to like put effort into this. Not yeah. that not that CGI artists don't put an effort. You guys know what I mean. You know <laughs> yeah, what exactly. I mean. We're just crotchety old people who like old ways that films were made. 
So just don't, yeah. don't pay yeah, any attention. I like hands-on yeah, stuff. I like, I like practical, practical effects. I will always choose practical over When I was writing digital. the Alien 3 review, or watching Alien 3 even, I was like, every time the alien shows up and you, it's a rubber puppet, it looks amazing. Because it's like yeah. covered in goo and you're like, oh, it's like tactile. Just has this uh-huh. this coolness about it. And then in the shots where it's CG from 1992, you're like, oof. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, oh yeah. CGI in the 90s. Oh, I miss it. I mean, except if you're talking Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park still looks great. Yeah. Yeah, that movie fucking that was like ass. But then, you know, George Lucas was like, oh, I want to put it creatures in my movies too i'm gonna redo star wars with yeah. big dinosaurs in it and nobody exactly and nobody can see the originals because i'm gonna take my toys and go home like fuck yeah. you george lucas seriously let me have my movies back i don't want to have like a, a disney dance number dance and song number in jabba's dingy palace what are you doing i know like oh my god god damn it george i think that's even like part of his stipulation for selling it to disney is like you cannot re-release the movies that people like yeah you have to keep these garbage versions uh, it's like no (laughs) it's such a it's such a representation of a director just being like so obsessed with their own version of things like no i wanted this the whole time this is gonna make the movie better and like everyone's just like no no it doesn't i blame all the fan fiction he probably just read it all. George Lucas has never like once read a fan fiction because every- George Lucas yeah. has no idea what makes Star Wars interesting. Yeah, no he, idea. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and to be frankly, to be frankly, to be frank, <laughs> Jesus Christ, that's Hello, staying frankly. in. Hello, frankly, that's staying in. Um, to be frank, George Lucas, like nobody really does. Nobody has any idea what makes Star Wars interesting. That's why all the Star Wars movies are terrible. I mean, it has the hero's journey pretty much like, like You'd, copied. You know, it's like Joseph it's Campbell really style. simple. Yeah, all you need is like a, a good a good script with like that's basically just like a really fun sci-fi adventure. You need to have characters that have personalities and motivations and have all of that cohere. It's not rocket science. Yeah, but even um, the original Star Wars movies are like, eh, you know. The acting is I not disagree. good. I think he plays that on like, oh, these are based on, you know, the old Buck Rogers serials and things like that, where the acting was never the focal point of like the story. But the first one, like A New Hope, I actually think is an extremely well-constructed movie. Alec Guinness, like, I think is amazing in it. Um, and I don't know. It's just there's something about the movies that were like. It's just so quintessential, boiled down hero's journey that, like, I don't know what the movie scape was like or the aura was like in the the 1970s, late 70s when it came out. But it was almost, like, very refreshing, I guess, from some of the critical analysis I've read of it. And I don't know. It's so easy to turn into a trope, though. It's so easy to piss away all of the goodness of Star Wars by like milking The original it. Star Wars are good for kids. Like when you're young, you're a young kid, like sure, well, give them the original trilogy. But as an adult, I just find them to be like, they're like songs that I've uh, heard too many times. I could, yeah, I could see that. Like they're like, like, yeah. like Crazy Train cons- by Ozzy. The construction of it and the characters. <laughs> like, yeah, it's all Empire. good. Empire is one of the greatest I, movies ever made. I like Crazy Train by Ozzy. I think it's a good song. It's catchy yeah. and it's interesting. I never want to hear it again. 
<laughs> you know, right. it's like that's that. Fair enough. That's kind of how I feel about. Star I don't think Wars. he. Uh, I don't think he even directed Empire. He had his buddy Irving Kirshner yeah. do it for him because he was having like health issues. Like George Lucas had a heart attack, but probably because He's too busy he counting was, like, his money. Exactly, and he was probably like, "Let's put this in here and this in here," and people had to be like, "Yo, do you even know what your story is about?" <laughs> and they just. Well, I that's. Don't know. I think he had a heart attack. That's when. That's where Jedi comes in, where you have the Ewoks and everything kind of falls apart a little bit. It's still a good movie, but it's definitely the weakest of the three. And you can see George yeah. Lucas being like, "I want to turn these into toys now." Yeah, I know. Seriously, it's all about the money. For <laughs> oh him. shit, Hasbro! Like all of these fucking like anything that can be used and turned into a plastic figurine. Just he's like, yes. Yeah, I mean, he's Palpatine, dude. He's just, <laughs> he sucked the life force out of his own, I don't know. Well, I mean. Let's talk about how bad Star Wars is yeah. on our, mo- yeah, on our movie podcast. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Let's not get generic well, or anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, won't go, won't go too much further, but the new ones suck as well. Um. If you didn't know. <laughs> yeah. If you were unaware. If you, watch if you lived just under a fucking rock. Yeah, we could we could probably complain about Star Wars for an hour, but so does like every other podcast, whether it's a movie podcast or not. So we'll just we'll just end up getting it. to it naturally in bits and pieces, complaining about Star Wars because you just have to, right? It just comes up. Do you? It's something that can't not come up. Do you have to give that genre any more attention? <laughs> Can it just die? What sci-fi? No, sorry, not cerebral. Not sci-fi. genre. Um, <laughs> That series, that franchise. Series, franchise. Give that yeah. franchise, just let it go. Just let it die. Uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't even see the third one. I was just like, I'm done. It's I don't care. Zero percent care. No. But anyway, but yeah, I mean, uh, watch Moon. Moon being five million, <laughs> like it shows you what you can do. Like how far you can stretch. I mean, even a decade ago, five million dollars is not a lot of money for 2009. Like it's, it's nothing. You know, it's like a few marbles to chew on. Yeah, Twelve it's, Monkeys was made on a budget in nineteen ninety five and that had twenty million. See, exactly. Like this you can do so much with clean, tight filmmaking, shots that are revolve around the interaction of like practical effects and the living character. It's so I don't know. I I really enjoyed this movie. I'm the only one I think out of the two who hadn't seen it for the first time. Um, I refrain only two from of saying us? this movie's like. Am I in? A, oh wait, am I what? a clone? Yeah. <laughs> yes, you didn't know that. I've, I'm an illusion. I've never been here. <laughs> I'm Gertie. So I'm a clone. No, Jeff's an illusion, and Alex is Gertie. Yep. Okay, <laughs> glad we got that settled. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where this is going. No, it's going nowhere. Abort! Exactly. Abort! Abort! Send me back. My contract is over. Oh, I think, I think, yeah. Watch Moon. I was going to say, I refrain from calling this movie cute. It is, though. But, like, it is, right? Like, it, it's, like, in, in a very good way, and it's, like, endearing. And it, I don't know. I thought it was really good. I'm glad I fucking love this movie it's always one I'll, I'll come back to it's always one i'll watch over and over again it's quick you know it's a tight 90 and it's just yeah it does what it needs to do like i said in the beginning it gets out and sam rockwell it's always just fun to watch him really i was sad that i couldn't 
like press a button and not know what happens in the movie. Yeah. Because it's it is I think it does take away from it for me at least knowing what's going on because I I recall distantly how enraptured I was in the tone of it at at the first time and trying mm-hmm. to understand what was happening because that it's just that does create its own atmosphere of of tension where you're you're where you don't know what's going on in the film. Yeah, so I, I don't know if it lends itself to endless rewatching. I guess it does for Jeff. Yeah, um, but that's just who I am. I'm just a rewatcher. It's just what I do. Yeah. That is true, though. There are other movies that seem sometimes to kind of hold their sting a little bit. And this one's kind of like a bee. It's like once it stings you, it's it's like, I don't know. There's something about it that like, it just... It doesn't die. I don't want to sit, like make that analogy to the bee. It just, I don't know. No, it's very, it's very rewatchable, mostly due to the performances and yeah. the set and everything. But it's not like uh, you're never gonna get that same. It's like heroin. You're never gonna get that same hit that first time. Yeah, that first yeah. time it's yes. gonna hit you, and you're like, oh my god. And then the more you watch it, you're like, I like this movie. It's cute. Yeah, like yeah. something. It's like the usual suspects almost. There you go. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, I watched a movie recently that we'll be covering soon when we do our Paul Thomas Anderson discussion. But man, rewatching Boogie Nights. Every time I watch mm. that movie, I love it even more. I I find yeah. so much more in it. The filmmaking, the just the everything. We'll get into it. I later. can't wait to watch it for the first time with you. Oh yes. Yeah, we're gonna do our our Paul Thomas Anderson thing i i actually just watched it so you'll have to watch that one on your own um oh you won't we'll, watch it we'll, again with me there <laughs> there are other ones that i need to get to that we can watch all right yeah that sounds good um but yeah moon moon sweet ass movie oh a couple little um i don't know this is i guess interesting to me um there are a couple mm-hmm. actors in moon that are pretty prominent british actors that have a very small spot as the two corporate uh, I have a question for yeah. you Jeff sorry before you All continue right, whatever. just cut me off no, I'm sorry <laughs> it's about yeah. this yeah. it's about him. this though just cucking him hard uh, is one of them in a show called the IT crowd yes okay. Matt Berry okay that's all I, yeah, that's it. Yeah. so Matt Berry he's in the IT crowd uh, for that's probably his most famous American crossover role He's also in a couple of really hilarious British shows I recommend, Snuffbox and Toast of London. Yeah, those are very funny. But uh, yeah, Matt Berry and then Benedict Wong, which is interesting. Uh, Benedict Wong, as we all know from uh, probably most famous role would be uh, Doctor Strange. He was also in The Martian. Oh, he's in Annihilation too. Wait, what are you guys sure talking about? These were the two corporate oh, guys in the... Okay. Um, in the pre-recordings okay. or then the, in the one live footage that you have Gertie talking to them. Those two guys, they're very, very low res in the camera. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to catch who they are, which I think is on purpose. But I just thought it was interesting that it's Benedict Wong and Matt Berry. Just kind of two prominent um, actors that just kind of had this like little throwaway role as these two corporate guys. So I just thought that was interesting. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yep. Especially Benedict Wong. I mean, Benedict Wong's like a Benedict Wong's like a legitimately famous actor. Matt Berry's a little more eclectic. I mean, 
It's just funny that they were both decided to it's funny. be in this when, movie. When I watched the credits, I saw Benedict Wong appear at the beginning of the film. And I almost thought for a second, I was like, did B.D. Wong, like, change his, like, name? <laughs> Is, like, has B.D. always from, been Benedict? From Law and Order? Yeah, Law and Order, Jurassic Park. Like, he's, like, the doctor. Oh, or that's the what I thought when you, know? you said Benedict Wong. That's where my mind went. I was like, the scientist in Jurassic Park? Yeah, no, like not P.D. Wong, no, Benedict Wong, the uh, <laughs> Dr. Strange, he's an Annihilation. He always plays like the smart kind of engineer character. Yeah, and then Matt Matt Barry, is this the actor's name you said? Matt Barry, yeah, Matt Barry's the other guy. Yeah, I just, just heard his little... voice and I was like, is this the guy from the IT crowd? <laughs> Damn you, funny. electric sex pants. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, over my head right now. I don't watch. Don't watch TV shows. <laughs> I got too many movies um, to watch. Yeah, IT Crowd's hilarious. But yeah, Toast of London's really good. So yeah, that's just a little interesting factoid that I saw in there. But otherwise, yeah, Moon, watch it, please. Watch it. It's a good one. So, gents, before we wrap up, uh, things we watched this week that uh, merit a few words, whether positive or negative. Alex, you got one. I do. It's a little bit older, um, or a lot older, I guess, depending Good. on who's listening. But um, it's <laughs> called The Man Who Never Was. Mm, I and didn't know this one. A, um, Sounds familiar. It's a film about British intelligence in World War II. Let's say they got up to some shenanigans. England, <laughs> England's intelligence service was like the premier, like, one of the best intelligence services during World War II. I mean, you had to be, right? The world was literally at war, and you needed to figure out what the fuck was going on. England getting up to some shenanigans? Oh. <laughs> you don't say. Those rapscallions. <laughs> exactly. So it's about... The plot is about... And this isn't giving anything away. It's like a well-known military operation where they decided to drop a cadaver into the Mediterranean Sea, I, th- I believe somewhere near Gibraltar, so towards the entrance of the Mediterranean Sea, with fake attack plants in his body or planted on his like uniform so that, that he would be found by either the Italians or the Germans, and it was going to throw them off the scent of what the English were actually doing. So the movie is about the whole construction of the scheme and everything and about the pushback and like the dangers of trying to keep this this under wraps and people saying no we're gonna blow this cover and things like that very interesting movie what a clever ploy those clever i know tea drinking biscuit munching bastards so it's like one of the fun it's like one of the more fun older movies i'd seen i believe it's made in the mid 60s who's in it so it's not like anyone i know so old i actually don't know a lot of the people that are in it they're very british like it might have been a British production that was separate from Hollywood, which I don't know how often that happened in the 1960s. What's it, it called? Like mid 20th. The century. man who never was. Yes. 56. Oh, excuse me. Uh, yeah, I don't know any of these actors or this director. Interesting. Okay, I'll have to. It has a pretty good rating, I think, critically. I'll have to add. I haven't this looked to my at list. The... Word. Um, Jefferson Twilight. You got one. Yeah, um, it's pretty. It tracks for me. Um, <laughs> yeah. I just rewatched the um, 1995 Othello with Lawrence Fishburne. Um, Fishburne. Fishburne. 
Yep. I always used to say it like that, and it's kind of still stuck. Um, Mr. Yeah, Anderson. It's, it's uh, an amazing Shakespeare adaptation. It's more supposed to be like the story. It's not an adaptation as like Romeo plus Juliet or something more modern. It's just so supposed to be the story. It's uh, really well done. Got Kenneth Branagh. Very, er, yep, Kenneth Branagh. Lawrence Fishburne. Some other people. Good old. Is Branagh yep. Iago? Yep. Well, yeah, Michael Sheen in there. Sense. It's a good old film. I recommend it. It's, uh, I mean, if you like Shakespeare, that is. <laughs> yeah, right. Probably my favorite Shakespeare character of all time. Othello? Is, oh, no, Iago. Oh, Iago, yeah. He's, uh, he's a bastard. Yeah. <laughs> he's a clever bastard, that is. <laughs> yes, he is. I am what I am. Um, I got one. I almost made you guys do it for an episode. Oh, uh, cause, oh, because Alex um, <laughs> Alex was so <laughs> hateful towards it without seeing it and because I, yeah, I, I, I like need to see every big budget sci-fi movie even if they're terrible for whatever reason I watched The Tomorrow War I mean why do you even like how dare you uh, it is a big old piece of crap um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like why, there was no way this movie wasn't going to be dumb I just was uh, fatal curiosity of wondering how dumb and how offensive it would be to me being the the douche that I am um and it wasn't it, it, okay it's it's the it is the summer movie you know what i mean it is yeah. it is independence day it has all those elements it has all those elements of like the contrite character arcs um unfunny moments where like like every character being comedic relief at points but i didn't it didn't make me angry which is a a point in its favor it didn't make me like like miserable in the way that a roland emmerich movie will uh let's dredge him up again (laughs) his name will keep coming up don't worry it's the apex of bad but um it has some hilarious stuff where it's like aliens have invaded in the future and so, like, future humans come back to present day, like, 2020, and start recruiting people to, to go into the future to fight the war. Now, if, if your logical mind immediately thinks of 50 reasons this makes no sense, good. You're, 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 you have some intelligence. <laughs> there are many different ways you could approach this situation, but the movie has its whatever bullshit throwaway logic. But the the best moment in it comes early on when you have like people who are like over forty because people who like you can't exist in two timelines at once because yada yada. So it's like people over forty or people who will die soon. So you have Chris Pratt and a bunch of people who look like they should be stocking lettuce at your local Safeway, like fighting aliens in <laughs> civilian clothing, and it's like hilariously stupid. I don't think the movie had any idea how stupid it was being. Um, and it's it's just, it's a big old bag of dumb. Um, you have all the setups. You have all these little things that are set up that are stupid that pay off. So at least there are setups and payoffs. But it is it is exactly what you think it is. And <laughs> does, does nothing interesting. You know, and... What? It, what was the budget for this one? Oh, know? too much. 
Okay. <laughs> Tomorrow War probably like five hundred. You know what it felt like? It felt like it felt like a big budget asylum movie starring real actors with budget. It was very strange <laughs> on that level. Um, so that made it kind of interesting. Where you're like, this looks like it should have been made for eight hundred grand and starring like Mario Van Peebles or something. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so um, despite mildly enjoying some elements of it, uh, ironically, I would not recommend it. Although it's it's already made it, it's already it's already got a sequel in the plans because everybody Whoa, watched really. it. Everybody watched it. Yeah, it's already got a nine. It's already got a nine movie deal with Chris Pratt being like Harrison Ford's age and hating his life by the time. <laughs> right, you're like, why did I sign up for this? Whoa. Like, why yeah, I, go. Why did I take that bump of cocaine just, before doing just, the contract? Uh, if you want to watch Seriously. Chris Pratt go shoot aliens, just watch Guardians of the Galaxy again. Much Hell better. It's yeah. a good. That's Hell a yeah. good movie. And that'll do it for us uh, today. Um, we will be back. We, we the next episode. We're not exactly sure. We're we're taking our time with the Paul Thomas Anderson. It depends if we record another one in between or not. But the next might be Mr. Anderson. Or it might be something else. We'll see. And with that, Real Weirdos signing off. We'll see you next time. Thank you, my friends, for joining me. We're out. Good night. Good night. And we'll catch you later.